Hi, this is John Ford Coley, and you're listening to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Uh, LudiniRockandRollCircus.com is the website. Every Tuesday and every Thursday is that we upload a new interview for you guys. And every Saturday is our music podcast uh, with uh, uh, myself, uh, Lou Lombardi, a.k.a. Ludini, and the lovely and talented Miss Katie Simone. So you definitely want to check that out. That is at least. LudiniRockAndRollCircus.com. Um, on the line with us today, I've got a really, uh, I'm very honored uh, to have John Ford Coley, yes, the John Ford Coley, that, that guy, from England Dan and John Ford Coley. So we're going to get to John here in a second. I'd like to thank my sponsor, uh, Positively Pittsburgh Live Magazine, Pittsburgh's first internet radio, TV network, online community magazine, and business directory. You can Listen to, watch, download, and get emails with the latest audio and video created by the members of the community. There's great articles and coupons, and you can find out kind of cool businesses for just about anything you're looking for. Uh, if you uh, have something to share with the world, the Positively Pittsburgh Live has a situation where you can start your own magazine page and upload your own audio and video and articles. And uh, I think you get about a, uh, about a million unique visitors uh, every month, so it's a great place to be seen and heard. And uh, as I was telling you guys, uh, that we do have John Ford Coley uh, with us today. You know, uh, there are songs that you hear in your life that transport you to a certain time period or give you a special feeling. You know, you associate those good times uh, to the group that made them famous. Songs like I'd Really Love to See You at Night, Nights Are Forever Without You, Love Is the Answer. They all have that kind of effect on people. Those songs and numerous others have made John Ford Coley a singing legend. He spent decades touring, writing, recording, and producing. And you know, John is is most revered as half of the Grammy-nominated duo England Dan and John Ford Coley. Uh, he continues with an active roster, performing the platinum and gold record hits for audiences around the world. He's classically trained on piano and an avid guitarist. John loves the craft and enjoys every audience he encounters. Well, I hope that you enjoy the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus audience. Uh, John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. Nice to be here. <laughs> so where are you calling in from? I'm sorry? Where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from Nashville, Tennessee. I kind of go back and forth between Charleston, South Carolina, and Nashville. Uh, I'm up here recording right now, so um, that's why I'm in Nashville. Oh, wow. What, what are you working on, John? You know, I've got a brand-new CD that I'm working on. As a matter of fact, it's the first one that I've done that does not have any of the old songs that Dan and I recorded. It's uh, it's called Eclectic. It's got 26 songs on it. It's a double CD. And it's just, I mean, it is all over the place. Because years ago, when Dan and I were going to the uh, uh, record companies to show them our songs and try to get a deal, we would play our songs for them, and they'd listen to them, and they'd go, man, what are you guys rock? Are you country? Are you folk? Are you, are you what in the heck are you, jazz? We'd go, yeah. And go, oh, I'm serious. What are you? We can't really identify you. So the thing is, is that when I sit down and I, and I write a song, for example, I don't say, okay, I'm going to write a country song today. I'm going to write a, a rock song. Whatever comes out is what comes out. And so this this CD goes from country to folk to rock to pop to swamp to jazz to classical. I mean, it's all over the place. And I've had the best time because it's not your CD that's just hit song after hit song. It's like the 60s and 70s when you had an album. 
and you listened from the beginning to the end, and you recognized that each song had a mood, it had a flavor, and so that was the, that was the uh, that was what I was going at. Um. Uh, so who's who's on the CD with you? Who are you working with? Well, I actually had a bunch of people that kind of came in and, and uh, wanted to do things with me. Vincio came in. He and I wrote a song together, and then he, he played on a song, sang on a, another song. Uh, Colin Ray uh, came in. T. Graham Brown came in. Jamie O'Neill. Uh, uh, some country artists. I had a great friend of mine that I just absolutely adore, Lydia Salnikova from a group called Bearing Straight. And Georgia Middleman, who was actually out uh, uh, working with Kenny Loggins most of the time with her husband, Gary Burr. So, I mean, just people that I've admired and I've really enjoyed working with over the years. And they all came in and either sang, played, or, or you know, uh, we, had, we had coffee or something, you know. Yeah, cool. So it's like, it's like a sort of like a reunion of, of friends getting together and uh, making some great music. Well, yeah, and it was. And I'll tell you the great thing about it was that I love working with people when you say, hey, listen, man, would you, would you come over and, and uh, you know, consider putting uh, some harmonies on a song that I'm doing? They go, yep, tell me where, tell me when. I love when you say things with no hesitation. Yep, I'll be there. Uh, decisive, of course. Um, yep. Uh, John, why don't we let's take a little step back. Uh, let's go back in time a little wee bit. Well, actually, pretty far back, and let's talk a little bit about how you got, you know, got bit by the bug of music in the beginning. I mean, you're a classically trained piano, did, pianist. So, did you? Did your parents make you take piano lessons? Did it come out of that? How did you end up going like, yeah, music? This is it for me. They beat me, man. They hurt me. <laughs> You know, that if you don't do this, you know, no football. You, you can't you can't go out and play basketball either. Now, actually, you know, it was really interesting because I was raised with so many musical things. One of the jokes that I tell is that uh, my mom and dad had kind of a, a bizarre sense of humor. As opposed to raising me on country music down in Texas where everybody else was raised on country, I got raised on opera. I got raised on uh, some country, folk music, uh the show tunes. Uh, if if I did not, I, I I could not watch Gunsmoke and Paladin on Saturday nights if I did not watch Lawrence Welk and Mitch Miller before. You know, I mean, it was it was that kind of a thing. So I was trained classically, and it was wonderful because again, there were so many different styles of music that were picked up on. So then I came into the Beach Boys and Buffalo Springfield and the Beatles and all these different groups that really had so much impact on, on so many people's lives, and I was one of them. So when I when I got into music playing in the band, which was really ironic because uh, I played piano, and everybody in the band, they had a guitar player leave, and everybody else wanted a keyboard player, but Dan, my, my England Dan, wanted another guitar player. And he and I didn't get along. Because mm. he didn't want me in the band. So the funny thing about it is that we would have to travel to various gigs together. We found out that we could sing together. and can do a lot of harmony, of harmony, Everly Brothers songs, Righteous Brothers songs, things like that. And then we discovered that we could both write. And it just kind of blossomed from there. So music has always been something that I've done. And it's just a natural progression. 
Um, you know, uh, John, you you and uh, and uh, Dan Seals and uh, uh, and of course the other Seals, <laughs> Jim Seals and Seals and Crofts, and a lot of these artists were really kind of sh- iconic artists of the '70s. And you know, to me and a lot of my friends, the '70s are kind of like where it all kind of like what everything else came after was sort of influenced by. I mean, if you think about the '70s, you have great vocal groups like you guys and Seals and Cross. You have heavy metal breaks, punk rock starts, the country music, the country pop music, country rock that all starts to kind of get started in the '70s, and then kind of like, and you guys were like a part of that sort of like cultural soup that sort of like went in all these different uh, uh, directions. Were you guys aware that you were doing something really special at the time or did you, were you just like, man, I'm in a band and I got to make a living? No, man. I mean, we, we were just having fun. The whole, uh, <laughs> the whole thing of becoming a star, I don't think that that registered in anyone's mind that that particular thing is kind of a new phenomenon. And we were just playing. We were having a good time. None of us expected it to ever really go as far as it did, and we certainly didn't expect it to continue on. Uh, we were just we were trying to put food on the table for our families. We were trying to enjoy our lives and not have to do something that we didn't really want to do. And, I mean, you know, I, I really thought that I was going to become a teacher somewhere. I was trying to get my degree in English literature, and it just it just kind of had a different, God had a different plan. Let's just put it that way. Uh, that, that's probably about the most effective manner in which I can put it. There was a different plan that was in play, and my hands were meant for different work. So I just went with it. And to this day, you know, I still marvel and think, my goodness, man, I mean, how did this thing continue like this? You just kind of get kissed and you surround yourself with, with equally talented people, and things just happen. Yeah, it's it's really it's very serendipitous. Uh, you know the way things come together sometimes. Um, uh, what are uh, what's like? Can you share with us maybe one of? I mean, you probably have a gazillion like intense, wildly crazy things that happened uh, during the heyday. But tell, share with us one of your most memorable showbiz moments. Gosh, you know, there's so many. As a matter of fact, I wrote a book called Backstage Pass, and it's not about drug, sex, and rock and roll. It's about all the ridiculously funny things that would go on during that time and, and kind of how we got started and what, what moved us into it. But, you know, we had so many momentous things that kind of kicked us off. First of all, Dan and I, when we got into, because we played in the band before, so we're playing soul and rock and roll and, and you know, the the – parachute and blacklight thing, you know, in, in the late 60s with all the, the psychedelic stuff. And so then we really wanted to go into just the two of us playing Monica James Taylor. And we were playing in 1971, just kind of getting started. We recorded the uh, first album on A&M Records, and we get a call. And they said, you guys, we need you to go to Minneapolis and to St. Uh, Minneapolis and to St. Paul in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, a group called Dan Hicks and the Hot Licks had to cancel out. They are going to be on the on the Johnny Carson show, so they canceled out. So we need somebody to go in there. You're taking the gig. We said, "Great, you kidding? That's great." Who are we playing with? And they said, "A guy named Elton John." We said, "Great, who's Elton John?" And we went up and played with Elton, 
got to be really good friends with them because, first of all, there was only the two of us, so it wasn't any kind of a big setup. They didn't have to strike a bunch of equipment and stuff after Dan and I played. We walked up with two electric, with two acoustic guitars. That was it. And so they loved us immediately because we were in any kind of trouble. Then we got to be really good friends with them. So the next thing we know, we get a call, come and play in, uh, in San Diego with, with Elton. We went and played in San Diego. He goes to Japan. We get a call from the agency saying, you guys, Elton's called. He wants you to go to England with him for a month. He's playing over there. Things like that would drop in our lap all the time. So we'd end up opening up for Three Dog Night in Japan because we had a number one song there in 1972 called Simone. And then we'd be out with Chicago and then and then Carol King and then Seals and Crofts. And it's like it just kept rolling all the time. We ended up with bread. And, and they literally just dominated us because uh, David Gates called the, um, the agent and the agent called our manager and he, he called he called our manager and said, what did Dan and John say to David Gates? And she said, oh, no, if there was something bad, it was John. I know it was. <laughs> he's hot-tempered, you know. And he's his loose cannon. Dan, it wasn't Dan. And he goes, well, then John, either talk to David, because I got a call from David Gates this morning saying, you are not to book us unless you book England, Dan, and John Ford Coley to open for us. And so we toured with these guys for like two years. We were on their, their last tour. We were on their greatest hits deal. And it, it just things like that would literally just drop in our lap all the time. Um, that's absolutely, um, like, those are great stories, man. Those are very inspiring stuff, you know. And it's just like like you said, it was like it was meant to be. Um, you, uh, you, got, you, got, you were a very uh, talented, uh, successful songwriter. And um, but but one of your one of the we were talking before we started recording one of your favorite songs and one of my favorite songs is actually one that you guys actually didn't write is the Todd Rundgren um, Love Is the Answer and um, we're going to take a little uh, we're going to go ahead and play that for everybody then we're going to come back and, and talk about uh, that song and you guys uh, your version of it ready okay. sure all right hey guys this is the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Uh, this is uh, gonna. We're gonna give you guys uh, England Dan and John Floyd Coley's version of "Love Is the Answer." Great track, and we'll be right back.
All right. All right, John, tell us about the decision to, to, to do this song and how, how you guys find out, found out about the song and what made you want to do it. About Love is the Answer? Yes. Well, I had always been a Todd Rundgren fan. You know, I just admired what the man did. He was probably one of the one of the most unsung heroes of, of that era. And, you know, he'd been out with Naz and things like that. But uh, the record company actually brought us this song because, I mean, I would have never turned around and brought this kind of song in to do. Now, by and large, Dan and I, when we started out with Real of the Sea Tonight, we were writing all of our own songs. And I think I think to the date that we did really love to see tonight with three records. I think it's three records. I had made maybe about a dollar ninety eight from my writing skills, which was really <laughs> kind of irritating. But uh, so then they brought the song to us, our manager, and it was called Really Love to See You Tonight. And I said, I don't want to do it. it. Sounds like a girl song. Dan said, I don't want to do it. I agree with you. And so they said, No, please consider this song. Look at it. See if we can do something with it. So uh, Louis Shelton, who was actually produced our first three records on A&M, and he produced Seals and Crofts, uh, he said, well, let me see if I can do something with it. So he brought in um, uh, Jeff Picaro and David Page, who we'd worked with before, and they ended up being um, Toto. the biggest principal guys of Toto. Yeah. And so they actually did the demo on the song. Well, now here's here's how... Here's where the rubber meets the road, okay? We got the first check, and, and again, I didn't want to do the song. Parker McGee had written the song. And so we got our first check, royalty check, from that song. And I'm looking at this check. I'm calling Parker going, hey, Parker, buddy, what else you got? <laughs> it's like, Wait a minute. You mean I can actually make money doing this, you know, and I don't have to pay the play the tortured, you know, emaciated rock star thing anymore. I can actually make money and live. So anyway, he he had given us a couple of songs, but Love Is the Answer was one of those songs. It just it had a classical feel to it. It had gospel. It had uh, kind of a soul. Uh, it, it just you know spiritual content underlying underlying uh, uh, message to it. And I just love the song. So when the record company brings it to you, you go, wow, you guys really do care about music. So we did it. It's a dynamite. And the, and the vocal, the, 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 you got, you and Dan, you, you know, it's like, well, it's like, it's like Seals and Crosses, like a lot of other uh, artists. So, you know, there was that time when you, know, you get two guys together and they could just work their voices around each other in such a way it was just so beautiful. Was that just from, like, years of you guys uh, be, being together, or was that something you did consciously, or did it, was, it, was it just natural? You know, there was a lot of natural in it. There were some things that we really worked at, because, again, we didn't want to sound like anybody else. So when I – now, Dan was the lead singer, and I was a harmony singer. I sang lead, and even when I sang lead on a song, I would sing harmony on it as well, because Dan wasn't a harmony singer. And it's, it's a specialized skill. But the thing is, is that we didn't want to sound note for note just trying to do the, the regular, what you would expect the song to do. So we dipped around it. We played with it. We would work with it to make it just a little bit more unique. And then the record company kind of wanted us to be a little bit more generic, and, and that kind of was the beginning of the end. 
But I mean, it, it was it was truthfully. I mean, I'd love to say that we just spent hours and hours and hours and hours, but it was just a it was a natural blend. Yeah, yeah, like you said before, like it was meant to be. Um, tell us a little bit about you. Now you've done other stuff. Um, you do you act and you write for TV and movies and stuff like that. So what have you been up to? Like, give us a little bit of like, give us the second whirlwind tour of uh, some of the other things that. Uh, that you've been doing. I, I, I saw you throw uh, Corey Feldman down a flight of stairs once, I think. <laughs> I did. They got me into acting. So my first film was a thing called Scenes from the Goldmine. I actually had to learn how to play drums because I was the drummer in the band. And Timothy B. Schmidt was the bass player, and, and Cameron Dye, who's an actor, uh, was a guitar player. Catherine Mary Stewart. But I mean, it was the, was the uh, sweetheart. She's, I love Kathy. She was from uh, Last Starfighter and things like that. And so she was the keyboard player in the band. And I worked with Steve Railsback and Joe Pantoliano and, and all of these great people, Alex Rocco. And so they moved me over into that. And, again, it was just something that I gravitated to. And I had so many, so many great stories from that time period. It's like one time on Scenes from the Goldmine, the – uh, Bruce Springsteen's sister, Pamela Springsteen, was a day player there. So she had, you know, just a couple of scenes. And she came in one day, and we're talking. We're getting along great. She was a really sweet girl. Well, the next day she comes in, and she goes, John, she said, I talked to my brother Bruce about you last night, and and uh, he said he would like to maybe do some writing with you sometime and to give his telephone number. And I said, <laughs> He said, no, I was just acting, but tell me, did you believe me? And I went, <laughs> almost. I'm sorry, that's a great story. I mean, it's like, geez, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to write with Bruce Springsteen, and you're, you're working on your acting skills? I mean, geez. So, you know, it, but, I mean, it was so much fun, and I, and I really enjoyed working with people. And then when I did that Dream a Little Dream, and it was good for me. That scene was good for me because, I've always been pegged as the really nice, easygoing guy. And and uh, so this kind of gave me a much darker quality. I, it wasn't comedy for me because I'll take anything and turn it into a comedy role. I, I did that recently on a film. And so when they got me in there, it was, it was, I was a queen. I was a real jerk. And it was fun to do that because it was just, it was different. You know, so throwing Corey down the stairs, and I remember when I grabbed him and threw him down, first of all, they kept me off the set for like two weeks. I was there and because they were running so far behind. So then by the time that I got to him, I had all this pent-up stuff. And they said, <laughs> okay, now you take him and you and you just throw him down, right? Man, I studied karate for like 15 years, you know, so I just grabbed him and flipped him bang down on the down on the ground and you know the only thing they hear was oh no john your Corey's on the ground they go john maybe you should do it a little bit easier (laughs) (laughs) oh you mean they he he was actually they were actually up for a second take of that huh i figured oh yeah they had him suited up you know he had on like a, a big vest and stuff underneath that uh, so that if there's any kind of an impact it wasn't as bad but i mean i put him down because that's <laughs> i mean i used to, i used to fight all the time you know when i was in karate and and so it wasn't something that i was unfamiliar with 
But, I mean, we had fun with that. And, and you know, just all the different films uh, that we were in. We did a thing recently, about a year ago, called Christmas in Hollywood, where I played a cop. And I'm supposed to be kind of a mean cop. Well, it just, when I was doing it, it just, it just turned out funny. <laughs> like, and they said, you know, we're glad you did because the film needed some comic relief in it. But, you know, okay. acting acting is just really, it's so much fun. You know, because, again, first of all, with music, you're out with the same people all the time. And remember, I travel by myself a lot. So if you're with a band, you've got the same people. So you go out, and after two days, everything's, the jokes are done, you know. You, there's nothing really to talk about because I don't like talking about music generally. I like to talk about medicine or, or other things like that, books. And so when when you were to be in the, on the film set, you've got day players. So somebody new is always coming in. Mm. They've always got a new joke. They've always got a new take on things. So you sit around and you laugh most of the time. And I really enjoyed that. Sounds sounds absolutely wonderful. So, what is uh, what is going on, lady? What do you what do you have? You have a new you have a new album that you're working on, and you're still out there uh, touring. And uh, you're, yeah. you're, very, you're very popular. What in the you're doing really well. We're in the in, in Asia, right? Yeah, I go to Asia quite a bit. I go there a couple of times a year. As a matter of fact, I came back from there probably about two and a half weeks ago. I, I was in uh, Jerusalem, in Israel, playing there. And then um, went on to the Philippines and played. As a matter of fact, I go back to Australia and the Philippines again in October. But I play a lot. I mean, it, if I'm not playing out just on a regular um, a tour date or something, because mainly I go out on weekends now, but if I'm not out playing somewhere, I guarantee you if I've got time off, I'll go into some of the clubs in Nashville and just play new things just, just to kind of work out stuff. I just... I like to play. I just like to play. <laughs> are you primarily on are you primarily on the keyboards or on the or on the guitar? Well, you know, years ago when I was with Dan, it was probably eighty percent keyboard and it was uh the rest uh guitar. But I when I came to Nashville there's so many phenomenal players that can play you under the table and I have no problem whatsoever when something is played that I don't know say, man, stop, whoa, stop, right there. What did you just do? Show me what you did. <laughs> and I learned. I mean, so yeah. so I've kind of got, I'm on a learning curve on the guitar, and so it's probably about, gosh, it's probably about 60-40 now, maybe even 50-50. Even on this new CD, um, there's 26 songs, and I was counting them down. Nine of them were written on keyboard. And, and the other 17 were written on guitar. So that's almost two-thirds was written on guitar. And, um, I mean, it's just it's just an instrument that I really enjoy messing around with. Um, so when is the CD uh, due out? We're in the process of mixing it now. I'm hoping by the 1st of September it's going oh. to be done. And, and probably we'll be selling it at the shows but we we'll put it on iTunes and and all the current things that uh, people are visiting. Um, again, man, it's it is all over the place, and I I've had such a great time doing this. And again, it's called eclectic because it's so many different styles. 
sounds like a lot of fun. Really looking forward to hearing it. Uh, John, in the meantime, how can people uh, uh, keep up with you and uh, keep uh, abreast of what you have going on? Well, you can go to um, um, uh, my website, www.thebrutallyhandsomeandhumblejohnford.com. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> just go to, just go to uh, www.johnfordcoley.com. And it kind of gives you an idea of, of a lot of the things that we're doing. We're in the process also of changing the website around to reflect the new CD. But there's a lot of photos up there and information, just kind of fun stuff. Because, again, I kind of like to keep things in a lighthearted way. Um, it, make, it makes it more entertaining for me. It makes people laugh. Of course. Of course. You're obviously a very... Uh... Uh, well-spoken and uh, entertaining fellow just to talk to. So um, <laughs> so thank you for that. Thanks for being so awesome. Uh, I'm gonna, we're going to end the podcast, and, but I'm going to come back. I need, to, I need to do a little business with you before we get out of here. Is there anything you want to add before we uh, ro- uh, wrap up here? No, I don't. If, if you happen to look on the website and you're in an area where I'm playing, goodness gracious, come on out. I mean, come up and say hello. We we uh we just have a nice time. Tell a lot of stories, play a lot of songs, both new and things that you might recognize from the uh, from the things that Dan and I had done. Yeah. So please come on out and say hello. All right, everyone. Uh, thanks to uh, John Ford Coley uh, for taking some time to talk with us today. That is johnfordcoley.com. Uh, and there's a Facebook page, too, uh, for those of you who like social media. you got a Facebook.com backslash John Ford Coley page. All right? And you can see everything that John's got going on there. Guys, you have been listening to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. My name is Lou Lombardi, a.k.a. Ludini. Uh, the website is LudiniRockAndRollCircus.com. Uh, every Tuesday and Thursday, we post some new interviews. And every uh, Saturday is a brand-new music podcast. Uh, please, once again, shout out to my sponsor, Positively Pittsburgh Live Magazine. That is TPLMag.com. Go there, do everything they have, because they're great people for uh, helping us uh, put together uh, this great podcast. And uh, one more website, if you can stand it. I'd like you guys to, for those of you out there that are, really believe in, uh, in great music, music that isn't really getting its due on corporate radio, please go to SupportIndieRock.com, where you can get involved with the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus and everything we're doing to help artists. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Thanks to John Ford Coley for being here. And we will catch you guys on the next podcast.